Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Hi there, good evening. Uh, live on Facebook, got my questions here to answer. Um, there's another camera, the camera's there. Um, got a few questions uh, this week, and as ever, if there's any questions live, then please do feel free to uh, to ask away, um, and I'll, I will be very happy to answer them um, uh, as, as we go. Um, so, uh, Rebecca, you've got a question here about uh, is five and a half weeks too early to be having personal training sessions? Uh, yeah, I think that is too early uh, to be having personal training sessions. Um, uh, it's breast augmentation, isn't it? I think yeah, breast augmentation. So five and a half weeks is a little bit too early for that. Uh, I normally say around about six weeks. So around about now you can start getting back into the gym but the personal training sessions for me conjures up an image of a personal trainer sort of really making you work hard. I guess that's what their their um, their role is. I'm aware of their existence. Um, I haven't got any personal experience of personal trainers, I must, I'm pleased to say. But um, for those people who want to get fit, then I think uh, they do probably push you quite a bit. And I don't think that's a good thing to do too early on. So I think uh, after five or six weeks, you can start getting back into the gym. I'd encourage you to go to the gym. I'd encourage you to take it easy. Um, but either not go with the personal trainer or tell the personal trainer you're supposed to be easing into it. Um, but it's probably not worth uh, having a personal trainer for that reason because personal trainers are, are there to push you. So I'd say start gently to start with and then after a couple of weeks, um, see how you go and build it up. And then when you feel comfortable and if it doesn't swell up and it doesn't hurt, then you can definitely um, do more um, with that. Uh, Amy, I've seen a few articles on, on YouTube. But, oh, that was a really good question, that was, uh, about autoimmune problems. What is the link and likelihood cause? I know you can believe it. Yeah. So uh, that was a really good question, Amy, about the um, autoimmune problems uh, with breast implants. Uh, th this goes back to quite a few or oh, about a few years ago, like I think it was back in the 70s, there was a big thing in America where a whole load of people came forward and said that they got problems with, uh, they had breast implants in and they got problems. Um, rheumatoid arthritis, SLE, um, connective tissue diseases, autoimmune problems. Um, and they said that they felt that the, the problems were caused by the implants. Um, you had people who had twin sisters who didn't have implants, were fine. And um, it's quite a a powerful group of people uh, put forward this um, uh, this hypothesis that there was a link between their, their problem to the extent that the Americans actually banned silicone implants. So America, silicone implants were banned for a long time in America and they were only able to use saline implants. And that is why still, if you look at a lot of American websites, they still talk uh, quite a bit about saline implants. Um, we we have always used silicone implants. We never banned them. Um, and there has been some really big studies, quite large scale studies, looking to, for an association between uh, implants and connective tissue disorders um, and autoimmune problems. And then no link has been found. 
And so now they are back reinstated in America. So American, um, they can use silicone implants back in America. Uh, and uh, we've very rare for any UK surgeon to use saline implants. We uh, Most people use um, silicone implants because they are superior to saline implants. And it's very rare to uh, use saline implants in this country. Saline implants do actually have a silicone shell. Um, now, the only thing I would say is there's no association shown between silicone implants and connective tissue diseases or autoimmune diseases. That doesn't mean there isn't a link. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. And all we can do is look for the science, look for a link. And all I can say is we haven't found a link. So they are deemed to be safe. We've always used them in the UK since they came out back in the 60s. And uh, they now do use them back in America. Um, so, you know, whether something comes out tomorrow to say, oh, my goodness, there is a link and all these people are right. I don't know. I have to say I do occasionally and it is very occasionally see someone who feels that the implants have made them feel ill and if you take the implants out they feel better um it's an anecdotal it's not very scientific that but um there are still people who feel that they are making them feel ill um but i've got to say they're in the minority the vast majority of people don't have these problems um but nevertheless they're out there so you should know about uh, everything to make an informed decision about whether it's right for you so um yeah so there is there is a there is that is out there about the autoimmune thing but as i say from a scientific point of view there's no evidence to support it and it's the the fact of the matter is that so many people are having implants they just found that occasionally you get someone who's having an implant who then gets you know sle or gets a gets a connective tissue disease and they think that the implant caused it when uh, in fact it was they might have just you know you have to when you get these diseases, there has to be a day that you get it, and then occasionally there'd be a, you know, you happen to have it just after getting an implant, so you thought it was due to the implant, but it may be, have been a coincidence. So that's a really good question, and uh, um, that's where we are at the moment. No evidence for it. I'm not saying there isn't a link. I'm just saying we haven't found one. If there is one, there's all sorts of things that could be linked, but we haven't. We have to just say what we know about. Uh, then we've got Mary. Mary, uh, what incision do you make for? Breast augmentation. And what is your technique for mastopexy? Um, so incision for breast augmentation, pretty much there's different incisions. You can make it in the inframammary fold, the fold with the bra sits. You can make it in the lower part of the areola, just below the nipple as a U-shape. And you can make it in the armpit. Those are the, those are the sort of common, well, those are the common ones. Um, I pretty much always go for the inframammary fold, about five centimetres long. Uh, in the inframary fold, because I think it's the best one for several reasons. I think it gives you good access to the breast. It gives you good visibility for the pocket that you're trying to create, and it's something I'm familiar with. Um, having said that, uh, I often get people, well, not often, sometimes get people who want uh, the armpit incision. I don't think I've ever seen anyone who wants the areola one, but anyway. Um, and what I say is, look, get, find someone who's comfortable doing that incision. Um, I'm not, and uh, I, I have done the areola one. If I'm doing work on the areola, I, I would an implant in that way if you're making a scar there anyway but i wouldn't choose to do it if i didn't have to make that scar um and there's pros and cons with all the incisions the areola one does settle very well but if it doesn't settle well then it's on the front of the breast also uh, there's a possibility of uh, altered sensation of the nipple uh, when you use that um, technique um, um, and the armpit one again some people are used to it and are very good at it and so uh, I'm not saying it's a bad technique but in my hands I find it hard to make it nice in the cleavage area which obviously is very important the cleavage is very important and you're quite far away if you're going in through the armpit you can't really see the cleavage area and I always worry about bleeding and controlling the pocket there so I think I would um, 
um, compromise on that. So that's why I don't use that incision. But some people do. So find someone who does if, if that's really what you want. Um, I know a few people, but unfortunately, the people that I know are all overseas. I know um, there's a chap in France another chap in Norway so I don't really know anyone in the UK who's who's got a big experience of that but there, there may well be someone um so that's incision for BBA what's your technique for mastopexia I'm not sure what you mean by that um Mary I wouldn't people do obviously do a lot of research before they have surgery and I think that is a good thing and I encourage it um but I wouldn't be too um worried I can write a comment oh what have I done <laughs> I wouldn't be too worried oh Amy you've Oh, God. Um, okay, I mean, I see you've got a question there. Um, I won't be too worried about... I will answer your question in a second, Amy, about techniques for mastopexy. I'm not sure what you mean by technique. There are lots of different techniques for mastopexy, and I can certainly talk about the way I do a mastopexy. But um, in a, as a general rule, it involves um, repositioning the nipple to a higher place on the breast. Uh, the big... Maybe what you're talking about is the scarring, because that's something that people do did, did, um, do. Uh, um, I want to say delineate. Is that, is that an appropriate word? But um, you know, they they do. There's different ways of doing. Um, I can't focus on the question and answering another question at the same time. They do. Um, you can separate types of mastopexy by the scarring involved. Uh, it's always a scar around the nipple. That's the circumareola mastopexy. I pretty much never do that. I don't like it. I don't think it gives a good shape to the breast. Um, and for me, out of all the scarring, so you go round the nipple, then you can have round the nipple and straight down, which is your lollipop, your circumvertical, or round the nipple straight down, and then in the fold, which is your anchor or inverted T. The most obvious of those scars is the round the nipple one. That's the one you have to have. Um, so, you know, if you could avoid having that one, I think that would be a useful uh, technique to do to avoid that one but the one that the 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 only ones you can avoid you can avoid the one in the fold but that's often not really a problem um, um so i use all i use the circumvertical sometimes so around the nipple and down and i use the inverted t at other times a bit like what i've said in the past the more no one wants scarring everyone wants less scarring the less scarring you make the less skin you can take out the less of a lift less of a lift you get because the whole point of a lift is to tighten the skin and so um, less scarring means less lift so it depends on how much skin there is to remove so if there's not much skin to remove i'll do the circumvertical and at the end of the circumvertical i often take out a little dog ear at the bottom so i often make it into a little short t um, but then if there's more scar uh, skin to take out i'll make a longer t make the scar in the fold longer um, so that's the that's the skin pattern i use again techniques for mastopexy can depend on how you keep the nipple attached i usually use a superior pedicle if that's helpful to you keep the nipple attached in the, in the part in the upper part release the breast in the bottom and lift and mobilize the breast up into the top half of the um of the breast pocket to to bring the volume up there um, um, and I don't tend to use any internal stitches and I don't use any internal devices. There's devices you can use, dissolvable meshes. I tend not to use those because I worry about being able to feel the mesh and if you get infection in the mesh and things like that. That's something we can all, all definitely talk about. Um, these are not in common use uh, in the UK, but we can definitely talk about these things. Um, and I hope that's what you're talking about. I, th I think that might be what you're talking about with regards to mastopexy, the different pattern of scarring. So, Amy, we've got a live question, which is exactly what I'm, I've always been after, and I salute you for that. What is a partial placement, Jonathan? Would this be any better for me than overs? Would this prevent being able to see the implant edges? Okay, um, 
partial placement. So partial, what you're talking about is partial submuscular. A lot of people say, oh, should I go submuscular? Oh, should I go totally? Oh, I could go partial submuscular. That's got to be better than being going fully submuscular. Um, different things, people mean different things by um, this partial submuscular, what have you. It, it's very rare to do a total submuscular placement of the implants. In a cosmetic situation, the implants are always partially submuscular. Um, the only time you do a total submuscular placement of the implant is someone who's got cancer, who's had a mastectomy, he's got nothing there at all. Then you will need to get the implant totally covered in muscle. So you use, as well as the pec major muscle, you use other muscles from around the area to get total submuscular coverage. So a cosmetic augmentation when it's under the muscle is always partial submuscular. Um, the outer part, part of the breast, you can't, the outer part, the lower and the outer part of the breast is always not under the muscle. I guess you call that on top of the muscle, would you? Um, so partial submuscular is a normal, is, is, is it all sub, submuscular implants in my hands are partial submuscular. Um, there's different types of partial submuscular. There's dual plane. You might have heard of that technique. Again, I've heard, I've heard people talk about that in, you know, in uh, the website, in, not on the website, in the uh, web world, internet, as you um, people call it on the internet. I've heard people talk about um dual plane again it's a bit like the mastopexy technique thing you know what i wouldn't get too involved in it um if you if you were having a dual plane amy you'd be having a dual plane type one if that's helpful to you it depends on how much of a droop you've got to your breast if people have got more of a droop to your breast you'd have a, um, a two or a three um i don't know how i don't think that's any help i wouldn't have thought to a to a patient but maybe it is um so there's different types of dual plane um, uh, or, or different types of partial submuscular, if you like. Um, the bottom line is, the question is, would it be prevent be able to see the edge, implant edges? Yes, is the answer to that. Having some muscle over the top of the implant will prevent being able to see or feel the implant edges. That is the point of putting it under the muscle, depending on which way you put it under the muscle, but that is what the muscle does. It gives them implant cover. So when you ask that question, the answer is yes. The problem is when you start raising the muscle, um, in whichever way you can get complications with raising the muscle. It's a bit more uncomfortable because you're cutting the muscle. So every time you move, it hurts a bit, it bleeds a bit more because you're cutting the muscle. Um, and when you exercise, you can get animation deformities. The muscles can pull the implant. Uh, can, sometimes the muscles can hold the implant high. Can muscles can hold the implant wide. So there are problems with putting the implants underneath the muscle, but there are also benefits. It's like anything in this world, it's pros and cons. And so it's a question of balancing them. So, yeah, I mean, we can definitely talk about it. I think you're coming back to clinic, aren't you, Amy? So we're definitely happy to talk about that because, um, you know, you need to be comfortable with where you're going to put it because the problem with when you go on the internet, you'll see someone say, oh, I'm going to have it under the muscle because I don't want to be able to feel the edges because my friend had it on top of the muscle and she could feel the edges and it looked awful. And you think, oh, my God, I better have it under the muscle then because it's going to look awful if I have it on top of the muscle. But then you're going to get someone else who says, oh, I had it under the muscle and I had my cleavage is really wide and every time I did my weightlifting, it, my breast my breast moved and twitched and the implant sat high and it didn't look good you know there's pro the, the problem with talking to people is the um is that you're going to get that one person's experience and some people have a good experience some people have a bad experience it may not necessarily do to the technique and all techniques have got good and bad in them otherwise we wouldn't do them so we've got a follow-on question for amy bang on so will the implant be directly in contact with the breast glands as i'm concerned about breastfeeding in future and having pressure from the implant and getting a low milk production well, that is way off. That's nothing. So whether it's on top of or behind the muscle, 
there'll still be pressure on the breast. Um, the implant will give pressure on the breast, whether it's directly next to the breast or whether there's a muscle in between it and the breast, there will be some pressure there. You know what? It's not a huge amount of pressure. I don't know if you think it's going to be like some enormous implant squish, squishing the breast. It's not a huge amount of pressure and that the muscle, um, whether you have it on top of or behind the muscle, is not. A, I would not make the milk problem that you're talking about an issue it's it doesn't make a difference whether it's in, in front or behind the muscle the main thing about the breast uh, you are you are you're reading too much well that question's gone there the main thing about the with well, the breast cancer breastfeeding in the future having pressure from the implant getting a low milk production um the main thing about the milk production is the gla- is the uh, milk ducts so when you do just a straightforward augmentation again go back to the incisions so i tend not to make the infraareola when you make the infraareola behind the nipple, you might possibly cut some ducts. I pretty much always use the inframammary, so I'm not cutting any milk ducts. I'm not cutting any in breast tissue. So you're just going underneath the breast tissue, and you're going underneath breast tissue whether you're going on underneath the muscle or not. You're still going underneath the breast. It's either underneath the breast or it's underneath the breast of the muscle. So you're not actually cutting any breast tissue. So everything's pushed and pulled and, and stretched, and you do feel a bit numb and feel funny feelings. But uh, the, the, your ability to breastfeed should not be altered by having implants. So whether you, if you can breastfeed already, you'll still be able to breastfeed after having um, implants. The implants will not make you not breastfeed or give you a low milk production due to pressure. I don't know if you've got this, Amy. Where, if you've got this from, I mean, the thing is, I don't know everything, you know. Uh, if you've, show me if you've got something online because I'm worried now. You've got this low milk production by pressure on the breast. I haven't heard of that. But if you've got something that says that, then show me and, and I'll have a look at it and see if there's any evidence for it. I'm not aware of any evidence that says implants on top of the muscle squeeze the breast tissue more and give you more of a low milk production than implants under the midnight muscle. I've not heard that at all. Um, and I don't think it's um, it's not, not something I'm aware of. I don't know if you've got a scientific thing on the Internet or if you've got some person who had implants and said I had low milk production afterwards. It's a bit like going back to the thing right at the beginning about the silicone saying making the implants made you feel ill. Someone out there might have had implants, had less of a milk production for a baby after the implants and thought that was due to the implants. When in fact it might be just they had a bit less milk production because their diet wasn't so good or they weren't in such a good health or they're a bit older or whatever. I don't know. There could be other lots of reasons for a low milk production. I'm not aware of any evidence to say that implants pushing on it causes that. And I'm also not aware that um, having them under the muscle gives less pressure and is more more of a thing about milk production there are some very well known and well documented pros and cons of them putting the implants above or below the muscle and i would if i was you i'd make your decision based on those things rather than the um the milk thing because i'm I'm, i don't think that's i think that's a bit of a red herring there i think your milks uh, should be fine whether you have it above or below so that was an excellent amy you've done a blinder this week not only have you asked a question pre-operatively or pre um pre uh today you also answered question asked questions live so that's double gold star for you well done um so um anyone else want a gold star and ask a question uh, please feel free um i do sometimes see questions afterwards so i do feel terribly bad about that because i don't know if i'm doing something wrong but clearly amy's got one in there so there is a facility to ask questions live so if you have got any questions then please do um post them on on here or email us or um if you are posting it as we speak or have posted one and I'm totally ignoring you, I can only apologise because I haven't seen it, but I will pick it up um, later on. Um, so I'm going to check right out of here now, if that's OK with you guys. 
Um, and I'm going to see you next week at seven o'clock here on the Facebook Live. So please ask away questions. And um, yep, yeah, see you soon, Amy. Thanks very much, and thank you. And um, yeah, so check you out next. Well, not check you out. See you next week. And um, and I will uh, check out right now. And uh, uh, looking forward to seeing you in the clinic, Amy. Bye. I'm just gonna finish. Right, just gonna finish the button now. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. So uh, just talk amongst yourselves, and um, I will just. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag #AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.